Welcome to 4Gamers One Couch Podcast, episode number 26. This week we discuss Dune and the Halo Infinite campaign overview trailer. If you like this type of content, please click the like button and subscribe if you have not. Thank you and enjoy. Guys. Hello. Francis. Good morning. Oh, good morning. So I think we've now all seen Dune. Yep, about time. We've all we've all seen the spice. Mm-hmm. Spice runs deep. Runs real deep. Mm. It's some of my favorite uh, recreational drug. Yeah. You know, I but... thought it was I thought it was really funny. This is a side note, but when they first started talking about spice, I was like, "Are they really like fighting over like seasoning to put on food?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it is. It's yeah. uh, garlic salt. Yeah. Already dropped and it's great on pizza. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but no, so all seriousness, um, what were you guys' kind of first, you know, kind of impression of it as soon as you left the theater? And Francis, I know you saw it last night, so you can start since it's freshest in your mind. Oh, it's, yeah, it's fresh. Real um, fresh. Yeah, I thought it was uh, incredible. How do you, I mean, so first off, I sat in, in the third row of a, Dolby Atmos, big show at mm-hmm. the uh, Alamo Draft House. So I'm like, literally like this. <laughs> I was honestly, when the preview started, it was it was so loud. I was nervous. I just felt like right. you could feel the sound, and it was almost like this. I brought ear ear protection of some kind. But I mean, I I don't know, man. I, pins and needles mm-hmm. I, the whole way. Blown away by just the sheer like scale of the movie. Um, the score was incredible. I think it was Hans Zimmer, right? Yep. Just, I mean, you could. I, I love movies that just that capitalize on sound. Mm-hmm. And then when it's when it's supposed to be quiet, you, you can hear a pin drop in the theater. They did that really well. Um, the director, I mean, he's got like Sicario and, and Blade Runner, and right. I just love the gritty, the gritty thing, the grittiness to it. But it wasn't like overly gory. Like it, it felt like when someone was going to get killed, you would see blood splatter all over the place, and they didn't often do that. I thought that was an interesting choice. But it was still gruesome, yeah. right, in the way that people would sometimes get killed. The, uh, the I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to get into specifics per se yet, but just my overall, like, experience was that of uh, awe and, and thrill. And, all right. It was probably one of the best experiences that a movie theater I've ever had. But again, that had that had a lot to do with kind of the way I, it was presented. If I sat at home and watched it on my couch, knowing what I know now, I would be disappointed. I think really? my TV and my sound bar isn't big enough. Yeah, for that you have to go. It's a spectacle. It's a spectacle. Mm-hmm. That's just my first. That was my impression. You know, I think that's probably a little bit true because um, my, you know, my impression of it was that I I thought it was amazing and. I felt like it was slow for a lot of it, but I was kind of on the edge of my seat, like just like wanting to like see more and more and more because they, they kind of like slowly laid out the story and like the world and everything that's going on, which I thought they did really well. Mm-hmm. So like sitting there in the theater, no distractions. It was, it was helped me stay focused, but it just was really, they laid it out really, really well. And it also kind of had the vibe of like kind of the, um, Fellowship of the Ring from Lord of the Rings, the first one, where it kind of yeah. did a lot more world building early on rather than just like straight action. Yeah. And so I feel like that's going to really, you know, be beneficial for the sequel and however many more they do. 
Yeah. That's and that's I have the same sort of reactions. I loved it. Um, I went into it sort of like apprehensive just because with like the one part movies, like you have to you you know going in that you're not going to get like a satisfying conclusion to the movie. Like you're sort of it's going to. Like there's not the final boss. There's not like a final enemy or like a final concluding scene that's mm-hmm. gonna like tie everything up in a pretty bow. You sort of have to expect that you're gonna leave the theater with some questions. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the I think the the score. Well, I think the score was probably one of the best like enhancing scores I've ever heard. Like it was just like just the sounds and everything were just like perfect for the style of the movie and the overall feel yeah um yeah i loved it you know what it was funny because i sometimes i gauge like big action epics on how many times there are eye rolling scenes Mm. but you're like okay so like you know some compromises that you might have but you're still enjoying it i don't think there were there were really any for me and if we want to start talking about specifics Right. I'll jump in. One of the specific things that I'm like, the only thing that I was kind of like, ah, this. I mean, it's a story, so it's it's written, it's text, but yeah, it's adapted screenplay. So it's the, it's the doctor, the you know, that, that does that. You know, the, he, his Dr. wife is UA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, was it really worth all of this just to? I mean, your your wife's likely dead. Right? Mm-hmm. Do you trust this these imperial guards or who whatever they are, whatever arm of the they are um that was the only moment where i didn't quite roll my eyes but at the same time it it just kind of seems slightly out of character for someone uh in the movie but i think everything else was like made a lot of sense it, it just it, it just you know it's a good it's a good story so that's that's always helpful when you have adapted screenplay right yeah. versus when you, yeah not to compare against marvel but marvel's more of like a there are it's a comic book but not all the dialogue is written. Not all the decisions are written down. Yeah, right. you have just, a framework. Yeah, you have framework. You have ideas. You so then sometimes there, there are chances that are taken that are kind of right. like, you shake your head at or you roll your eyes at. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, and it's always hard with like a book of that scale that has like so many people that like hold the book at such a high like reverence that like putting it into a film format and trying to appease everybody because you have to you have to like tie like balance the scale for people that know nothing about the world with people that have read the book a million times and love it all um i mean I, i finished the book the day before the movie so i don't I don't hold it as like any high piece of literature or anything. I, I enjoyed it, but um, I thought they did a really good job at uh, sort of that balancing act. That's fair. That was actually one thing I was, was going to be really curi- curious about is as someone who hasn't read the books, you know, going in, I was curious if I would, if I'd be one of those people that like, Oh, I really liked it. But then the book goers would be like, Oh, that was terrible. They changed this, this, and this. You know, yeah. Because I feel like that happens a lot. Like, you get, you know, you have these adaptations of these books, and the audience who hasn't read the book is like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing! I really like it." But then all the movie, yeah. all the bookgoers are just like, "This is just shit." 
they ruined yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like from what I read, they, they made a couple small changes. More, It seemed more so just for the flow of the movie. Like, it didn't really impact any of the plot at all. They just sort of moved some scenes around, like something that would have happened later. They made it happen earlier or... Um, nothing major that i noticed there was there was one scene in the book that was it's like a dinner party that the atreides hold when they first get to arrakis okay and it's it's sort of it builds up a lot of the supporting characters and you you learn some like interesting little intricacies that are going on and it just adds to sort of the tension that's going on on the planet that um i think that would have been cool to see in the movie but I can see why it wasn't because it it would have been like a 20 minute scene, which it's with when you have limited time, it's hard to, you got to use those minutes sparingly. Yeah. I think one um, thing I was surprised about was, you know, going into the movie there, you know, there was so many big name actors mm-hmm. in this movie. And I wonder if maybe they had some extra scenes that got cut just for time. But I was surprised how little scenes like Batista um, or Jason Momoa's character had. Even now, I understand why Zendaya wasn't in as much because she seems like she's a character kind of comes in later. But yeah. I was just really surprised the small how small roles those characters had. Well, that's I think, I think that's part of the marketing, right? It's like yeah, I don't I haven't read the book, so I can't speak to who you know Josh Brolin's character was and the impact he had. But yeah, he, it seems like Josh Brolin I mean, they, they... was bigger than the like. I think Josh Brolin is bigger than anything that was that person in the, in the story. Yeah, or maybe they... he was an amalgam of like his the commanding, you know, fleet. Yeah, right? and they they really were like more supporting characters in the book. Like, like Jason Momoa's character. A lot of the book, he's he he doesn't have a ton of scenes really in the book. He sort of just yeah. pops in for like sort of where we see him in the movie like pop in for those like combat scenes um mm-hmm. i think it makes it sexier i mean you're picking you know you pick a roster of actors i mean pick some guys pick some people that have some clout with the audience yeah and if, i mean it, it sort of really is paul's like story and paul's journey so it does right. really focus on him a lot and everyone else is sort of just there to support yeah um, he's seeing he's meeting friends along the way you know right. it's not like it's the ten man and the scarecrow, and they stick with him the whole way, all the whole way to you know. Yeah, I, w- I wish we would have seen more of. Um, can't remember what the name is, the actor's name is, but in the film, it's what Thufir Hawat. He's he's the little. Uh, um, he's the mentat of House Atreides. He's the the shorter, um, the guy whose eyes like flip up into his head and go white. Oh, and he did that, and he did that calculation or whatever. Yeah, yep, Stephen, Stephen McKinley Henderson. Yeah, I liked him a lot. Okay, yeah, I wish I wish they, they're, then they're probably they'll probably expand more on what like that his role and that like sure. that role is in the world um, in the next movie. But I, I in the book I enjoyed like reading about um, him and like that the mentat ability that he has yeah hey guys two questions i want to ask you. what was the best moment of the film in your opinion gordon please go first next question tom will go first um 
I think we need to we need to identify these things. <laughs> I don't know. That's a, off the top of the off the bat. That's hard. Yeah, to you're welcome with. to jump in if you have one. Oh, um, I don't know. I was I was I think probably the um, when when House of Atreides gets gets attacked. Um, I was kind of surprised how soon in the movie that happened. And I was pretty surprised how many people were just kind of getting killed. And that they just got completely yeah. like dominated. And it was a very cool visual as well, seeing like um, the ships from above just dropping bombs on them. Yeah, that was incredible. I think that was a really cool scene. I think... Uh, talk about I think, scale. I think I liked when the... Uh... Uh, whatever the like spice harvester machine is the the worms on its way to annihilate it and they have to go in and like rescue everybody and like everyone's running and then paul sort of has his like weird little pre-science moment where he's like fall out falls down on the sand is like having the visions and like sort of losing it and thought it was like you had the i was like there like picking my hands i was like come on come on come on come on come on, come on. even though i knew what was gonna <laughs> like what was happening like i right. thought it was the, the the tense and the like suspense was really cool and um i enjoyed it that was awesome so um uh, those were all great scenes and a kind of a tough question to answer honestly in such a just so many scenes and moments were incredible I, I really like the the one with the like the Reverend Mother and uh, Paul, like at that oh. very beginning test. The Gong Jabbar. Yeah, well, then you've yeah. got the voice being a presence. You've got like you've got right. this this true test of obviously there's more to you know Paul's mother and, and all that yeah uh, that, that side of things. Like I was that was pens I was on the edge of my seat. I didn't know what to think. Blown away. Uh, and I love. I just kind of spoke to the, the tone of the film. Like it's it's. Not necessarily like overly dark, but it's very real and it's very, mm -hmm. you know, you, you are feeling uncomfortable and you're like, oh, you're kind of feeling what all goes through. Yeah, I, I really, I also really like the scene um, when they're Paul and Jessica have been taken and they're like going to be dropped off in the desert and they're trying to use the voice on the guys in the. Uh, yeah, that was incredible. <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah, that was like I was just I was thinking about that one. That was a close number two because I wanted to go with the voice, the impact of the voice. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. What 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 was our least favorite part of the movie? Uh, my least favorite thing was uh, the main character's name is Paul. Are we still <laughs> using that name seven hundred years in the future? <laughs> well, apparently. Yeah. I just felt like it was very. I don't know. I was I was very like underwhelmed by that name. I was like Paul. Like that. It's just. It's Paul. Um, but no, seriously, I think the, the most underwhelming thing was, probably what I mentioned before, was kind of wanting to see a little bit more of those side characters. Um, yeah. I think, oh. and I, not that I wasn't happy with, like, the movie as a whole. Uh, mm -hmm. I just think I would have taken an extra 15 minutes of the movie, like, additional time, just to give them a little bit more, um, a little bit more screen time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, my least favorite oh. part was, um, I think I alluded to it earlier, just the, the whole <laughs> Dr. Grail. 
You are. You are. You are. Yeah. And you again, are. I know it's part of the story. I'm assuming I've not read the books. I'm assuming that's a critical part of it, part of the, of the of the novel. But it just didn't seem like that carried a whole lot of weight. At least. Yeah. It the, almost blind. It almost blindsided me that he would have any anything in the game that he would make that kind of a decision. It was a like, little yeah, interesting to see. The that he has would make him do all this. Yeah. I just that that is the only thing I didn't like. But again, it was fine. And it's a plot point that's part of the book. Yeah. But that was the only yeah. part where it kind of disrupted my whole sense of wonderment. Even though it created a lot of wonder. I mean in in terms of the sheer spectacle, but Yeah. Um I'm trying to I don't the the scene, the uh the planetary, I think the the ecologist, um who who was helping them at the very end, who then dies by the worm while she's fighting those guys that scene but mainly because like the book her death is much different in the book like it's more of like it's like a she's not dying she doesn't die she's like not in combat she's sort of there just in the desert having like sort of like personal reflection and like it's a it's sort of like the that chapter in the book is a really good read and um you sort of lose that with how they did it in the movie, but it's, I didn't think it was a bad scene. It was just different than what I was expecting. But I also, I think overall, I want to watch the movie at home again with subtitles on, because I feel like some just with like a lot of the sound and with some of the voices, like when, when Paul's like having some of like sort of those visions and stuff, um, it's hard to understand what he was saying or a lot, a lot of the dialogue in some portions. So right. I want to watch it again with those subtitles so I can like pick up on um, the stuff that I missed. Yeah. There was one thing that, I, that I'm hope, hoping when I watch it again, because Rachel hasn't seen it yet, so we're probably going to watch it tonight, actually. Um, and is... I was a little confused by... So in the movie... Um, the bad guys, I can't think of their name. Uh, Arcanins. Yes, they they left the desert, kind mm-hmm. of at the Emperor's command, just to allow Ar- uh, House of Atreus to come in and then to get then get ambushed. And so I thought that was weird, because while I was surprised how, e- like how easily they just left. And so did they always kind of know that they were going to go back and, like, take them out? Was that always kind of the plan? Um, no, it seems like the Baron is running, like, a rogue operation. Yeah, that, I mean... Is that true? Like, uh, aside from, like, the Imperial... Imper- like, the, basically... The I think that... wishes were not... I think the Emperor... The Emperor always... I think the Emperor's plan was... Like, what happened was the plan because the Atreides, House Atreides was, like, held at such a high, like, all the other houses, like, outside of the Harkonnens, like, sort of looked up to the Atreides and they were gaining so much, like, influence from everybody else. The Emperor was starting to get threatened and the Harkonnens and the Atreides are, like, hate each other. And so the Harkonnens were, the Harkonnens is a super rich family, so the Emperor sort of could keep the Harkonnens down by forcing them to spend a shit ton of money to 
go back and launch this attack on the Atreides, and then he could sort of deplete the Harkonnen's resources and just keep the Emperor, could just keep a lot of the power um, yes. without. So I understood it from like the Emperor's plan. It was just that the Harkonnens, were they in on that, I guess, a little bit earlier? Did they think that they were going to be going back at some point? Um, that's where I was just a little confused that they gave it up so easily. And I know that was like a yeah. early part of the movie. I don't think they had a choice. I think they'd have to. They had, they had, yeah, they had the, the Emperor command. command. The Emperor commands it, and they sort of had to. Both, yeah, both sides did that. Okay. Harkonnen and I'm assuming the Emperor's a big, bigger character in the next movie. Like we actually see him. Probably. Probably. I don't know. I'm not that far in the book series. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I mean, you could use context. This, I mean, yeah, this guy, you'd, yeah. Trains, like even the most powerful people that we witnessed on screen have to answer to this guy or gal or thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, so, yes. He's got some major power there. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, it was, they were set up to, they, they, basically they were set up to fail House of Trades and Arrak Arrakis. Yeah. Because of Wait. all the shitty equipment. I understood all that. It was just some of that, a little bit of that motivation. I was just kind of like, I was wondering if I missed something or if it was more just like they they had to do it. Otherwise, the Emperor would have got all the other houses to attack them kind of thing. I think that they sent out, House of Trades sent out Jason Momoa's character like early to scout out the sand, sand folks. Help me with yeah. Freed, freed, freed. The Freeman? Yeah. Freeman. The Freeman. Freeman. Um, why wouldn't they send a scout to like where their base would be? Like, oh, go check out the equipment. Go check out, you know, kind of Scout that out as well. Well, I think they, they only did. scout half of the piece. Jason Momoa was in the sand. He wasn't in well, city, so to speak. Right. Yeah, and I think they did have like an advance party in the city yeah. to like looking at everything. In the book, they sort of talk about like how all the equipment's in like disarray. Like they only have half of this. Like nothing worked. Everything's old. The Harkonnens like sabotaged everything when they left. Um, yeah, I think more of it is they, they didn't really go into that in the movie much. They, more... they made choices in the movie. Okay, guys, one more yeah. question. Who is the <laughs> low-key MVP of the movie? The low-key MVP. Hmm. Like the sixth man off the bench that comes in and scores 30 points. You know, not your, hmm. not your hero per se, but a support type of role that comes in and kicks ass. Or carries the most impact. Um, let's see. I feel like it was the mom. I mean, damn me. it. Jessica. Yeah. Yeah. Jessica. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, I was just surprised by how long she stuck around and how much of an impact she kept. Yeah. I mm -hmm. kept waiting for her to die, but also in the first part of the movie, I was like, Oh, she's going to be like this lighthearted, you know, Wait, mother figure that's going to die. That's going to make Paul get angry and get invested. And no, part. not clearly at all. It was, she had this whole other side to her, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Like that's when I was like, "Okay, this movie is going to be good." Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, Tom. Oh wow! And we all agree on the mother. We all agree. I mean, was... We all agree with Tom. Wow, that's weird. You just have to, you just happen to go first. Yeah. No. <laughs> if the roles were reversed, you would have, you'd be agreeing with me or Gordon. Well, I would have disagreed with you guys. I would have said somebody else. <laughs> um. So when is the sequel supposed to come out? Is that in danger or is that 2023? It's been greenlit. Yeah. So that was actually something I was annoyed by because I didn't know that. I knew it was going to be part one and part two, but I didn't know Warner Brothers didn't greenlight it until after their opening weekend. Well, they're not going to greenlight green light another 
couple hundred million dollar film if this one like tanked i know but then why you know if you're trying to make the next lord of the rings or star wars why why you know and they've seen the movie before it goes to theaters they had to know it was good enough to at least green light the second half of a two-part movie didn't they didn't they make a new hope without the um as like a standalone without the next one being greenlit yet. Well, I feel like the new hope was at least like a whole story, right? Like if, if it was only the new hope, then a new hope, Tom, a, uh, whatever, shut up. It doesn't matter uh, if, it, if it was only that movie that like still would have been a good movie. It had a beginning and an end. This movie doesn't really have an end. So like if we never saw a second movie, we're just going to sit here and be like, well, I guess I'll maybe read a 700 page book. Well, I think it, Go ahead, Francis. Sorry. There's no, the director is worrisome on the timeline. He says fall, the, the 2023 date is very aggressive. Yeah. Because they're not going to, they probably won't start shooting until the fall of 2022. And even that would be fast. This is, these are quotes from the director. This is a few days ago. Okay. Um, and just given the way that the box office tends to be kind of, kind of scared, scared out of its, you know, normal schedule with just everything that we're dealing with in terms of at home viewing and, Right. What's the future of the box office? I wish right. they would have done it like they did Lord of the Rings, like where they filmed everything at once. Well, that's what I mean. Like, like yeah, Lord of the Rings, they filmed it all in one one go. So. He said part two will be a theater exclusive for 45 days before streaming. Hmm. I think yeah. theaters are just more careful now. They're like, they, they're not willing to take chances. It's all about the bottom line. So they don't want to put all this money on the line with the possibility of the movie tanking and then being SOL. Sure. But they said That's fair. They have, they have a lot of design, casting, locations, and writing done. That's a good start. Yeah. I mean, at least, at least this, they're not having to, at least they have a source material to build yeah, off of. They don't have to like, like, how do we make this bigger and better? Right. Yeah. You know, or we cast six major actors and they die instead of three. Mm-hmm. Did it seem like, guys, let me go back. Did it seem like Jason Momoa doesn't really fit in movies? He just seems like he's a Game of Thrones, Hal Drogo forever to me. Well, that's what, it, that, I mean, he's just typecast as that one. He he plays the exact same character in every single movie. Like, the combat scene, I don't think either one of you have seen C, but, like, his combat scenes in Dune were, like, move for move, his combat scenes in C. Like, which, I mean, he's good at playing that character yeah, he's so. a lot of fun i mean i loved seeing him on screen it just seemed like he it was almost like he didn't fit he was like something like a fan like fanfare almost but well, not really it just seemed know, like they were, he, just, he didn't have a he yeah. doesn't have a, such a space to me you know to he, he's kind of yeah probably a little bit of that fanfare but i feel like he's probably i don't know i feel like a lot of that i felt like he was in this movie just because he wanted to be in it and took like whatever small role he could. Um, especially considering he, you know, did Aquaman and that did pretty well. That's where I figured he was going to have a bigger role. Um, it seems like this, the action star is going to do whatever they want. Yeah. I mean, like the rock, the rock. I mean, Jason Momoa is definitely not on the rocks level, but like those guys are always in high demand because their faces, their action. There's, yeah. There's, there's, there's box office. You see that character, and you, can, you know there's going to be action. And That's you can throw that character... The... Go ahead, Gordon. 
I would say you can throw that character into a lot of different <clears throat> movies too. So like you can have almost any type of movie, like except for like a romance story and like you can throw a Jason Momoa type character into an action movie mm-hmm. and give him a piece of it and people are going to eat it up. Yeah. You can't put the rock in that role. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you but can't I mean, it, rock, you know, 13 minutes of screen time. Yeah. But the character that he also played the character that's in the book too. So, I mean, it's not, it's not like he doesn't fit. Yeah. He doesn't, it's, he fits that character that's in the book. Well, so yeah. I will say, you know, for only having a, in the grand scheme of things, a small role in Game of Thrones, he left a very lasting impression with that role. Well, back when Game of Thrones was oh, yeah. But even yeah. then, you know, everyone sees him like, oh, he's that awesome character from Game of Thrones. I love him. I'm like, he's only in like half of one season. That's <laughs> also that like new... where he made his name. Like, well, yeah. yeah. That was also everyone's like honeymoon phase with Game of Thrones, which was just brand new and incredible. Yeah, he but was, I mean, he was one of the most impactful pieces. Of there's a bunch of other characters that are only around for one season, and it's they don't consider them like one of the top ten characters of Game of Thrones. Like a lot of people can care. That's probably consider that's him. probably also the only season a lot of people saw. <laughs> like, I think that's the only season my mom saw. Sure. Um, just like people that people weren't that weren't really watching it or they wanted to watch it but then they quickly found out like oh this has too much sex in it or this has too much blood in it and yeah. so they only saw early Jason Momoa stuff they probably stuck around for him because he was shirtless the whole time yeah a lot yeah, yeah. Okay. so this t- I, I think this movie took like what Game of Thrones did and what Star Wars did and just like took a step like obviously they have they they've borrowed some of what they did in terms of choices visually mm-hmm. I, I think i don't think there's anything better than than dune in terms of recent years you know i kind of in terms of, of an experience yeah. i'm not saying like best movie or best story or like there i don't think there's been a better experience tv or, or movies yeah it was just an overall like fun world to like be in and to see it being built um I haven't had that sort of experience for a while in a movie theater. Yeah, 100%. And then I don't think the cliffhanger was all that bad. No. Like we, knew, no. we knew it was coming, but it was like a, it was a reasonable conclusion considering it's just kind of like a stopping point. Yeah, it's not like they stopped like right before something was about to happen. Like you had a little conclusion exactly. with the fight yeah. and then it sort of slowed down. Like you went up and then you came down and then it sort of leveled out and then it stopped. It's... It would have been worse if it like stopped on its way up and then you're like, okay, like, does he die or yeah. like what happens? Yeah, it was like yeah. a conclusion of that, that moment. I, I kept, yeah. it, honestly, I must say this too. Towards the end, I'm thinking, I was just like trying to guess, okay, this is this is the final scene. And I was <laughs> wrong. I'm like, okay, then yeah. this is going to be the final scene and they're going to they're gonna go to black. I was yeah. wrong. Right. It happened like three or four times before I finally realized just to stop thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea what time it was, but it felt like, you know, it felt like two hours and 15 minutes, maybe. Like, not a good yeah. I know it's a little longer than that. Yeah, I think it's two hours, 30 minutes, isn't it? Two hours, 40? Yeah. It's pretty yeah, long. Yeah. But, no, like, like, yeah, I think my, my number one kind of, like, one sentence for it is just that excellent world building. They really just mm-hmm. did that really well. Because a lot of movies probably would have, like, just did most of the world building in like the first 30 minutes of the movie 
but no, this one definitely took its time, showed you why it's kind of cool. Um, as Frank said, you know, the, the, the visuals and the music, all that together kind of really just help um, amplify those mm-hmm. moments as well. So go see yeah. it at the Alamo big, big show with Rachel and sit in, sit in the third row. Yeah. <laughs> and report back and report back. My ears are still ringing. Ears yeah. blown out. Yeah. Well, I think that might, so if I can go back to my favorite character, my, my favorite character might've been the world. Mm. I think, I think that is very much a character to anything. That um, I will say I really Please. just wanted to, uh, quote Anakin Skywalker in that movie and just being like, I hate the sand. Mm. Sand. It's at least there weren't any Nazis. Yeah. yeah, that's true. All right, guys, let's move on to our second topic. And I know we're kind of running along here, so we'll make it a little bit quick. Um, but we finally saw the um, Halo Infinite campaign footage yeah. after a whole year yeah. from their kind of backlash that they got from the graphics not looking good, having a lot of lighting issues pop in. Um, and so, you know, as a huge Halo fan myself, I was, you know, super excited, loved everything I saw, very, very excited for December 8th, and I have a counter on my phone, counting down the, down to the second, and I kind of want to know, you know, Gordon, you're a Halo fan, but you're not nearly as big of a Halo fan as I am, and Frank, or Francis, you've never played a Halo game outside of Halo Wars 2. Um, Halo no, noob. I, played the first, I played the first one and beat it. When did you do that? Way back with the first time. Oh, well, okay, well, that doesn't count. Back when you were in diapers, Tom. Yeah, back when I was in diapers. Um, so I want to know what your guys' kind of, you know, vibes are for Halo Infinite now after seeing this new um, campaign trailer. Um, I'm excited for it, especially... I like how it looks like there's gonna they're gonna have like outposts like sort of like Far Cry has where yeah. you can go in and sort of just you don't have to like play straight up campaign missions like you can sort of go in there and just drive around and kill some things if you don't if you don't really feel like like because I like to slow play campaigns like if I'm playing like especially like a Red Dead Redemption or something like open world like I don't want to just go hit campaign mission campaign mission campaign mission like I sort of like to explore do all the stuff I can on the side. And I like that you have, I like that you're going to have the opportunity to like, you can just pop in and play for an hour and not even really advance the campaign. You can just go around with your friends and blow up some outposts, kill some enemies, fly, drive around. Um, I think the comment on that Gordon, you know, it's, it's halo has always been a, you know, a sandbox shooter. Right. And I think they're really kind of diving hard into that sandbox now, and I'm really excited for that. Just Watch being able to there. being able to play mm-hmm. around on this open openish world ring with yeah. a bunch of like side things you can go do and just call in vehicles whenever you want them, and um, you can also call in marines to go with you. I read that, and they're out there. They did like a blog post the next day, and I just mm-hmm. it yeah. I'm just I'm really excited. Yeah, I think that that portion I think is going to help with the longevity outside of multiplayer because it gives you something to do instead of just replaying the same campaign missions over and over yeah. and over again. Uh, I tend to agree. Uh, <laughs> Tom, you are the biggest Halo fan of the group. Mm-hmm. We all agree. We all agree. We all agree. We talk I about it all the time. Gordon's point about like variety to the gameplay experience. I, I find myself 
also kind of taking my time through the campaign. I like just kind of exploring the world. Like, here's my, so my weekly Red Dead Redemption 2 drop. Uh, <laughs> what I like about that is it has, like, mysteries that are within the game that aren't really part of the game that you can go mm -hmm. and right. inspect. Or there's, like, you know, unique uh, places on the map you go and you can kind of experience just through the, 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 the eyes of the character. So mm -hmm. I, I just like explore. I don't know if I don't know if you know if Halo has any of that. The more it gears towards that kind of exploration aspect, right? A little more of that in there. I think that will help for us guys who aren't. So I, mean, I think in player, comparison to Halo, like at least the old yeah. ones, they've always kind of had what are called like um, like these like kind of like terminals or data points where um, on the level you go up to the little terminal and you push X and it kind of gives you this audio play of, of some lore, um, maybe, a, you know, some a character you're following, something like that. But no, I think this one's going to have a little bit more of, of like, oh, there's this like cave over here. Let me go explore down there, see what's going on. Like it's going to have a little bit more of that. I don't think it's going to be anywhere near like Red Dead, but yeah, it's, I, well, I'm, it's I hope it does have like, I hope some of its side missions are more like, lore centric and yeah. not not just go kill this bad go kill this lieutenant or go like rescue these marines like i hope there is something that's a little more yeah like not just straight up halo combat every side mission it would be cool to like have something out of the ordinary that's a little more lore inspired yeah i i think halo has always kind of had this issue where um you know, in the, the mainline Halo campaign, they have to tell this, you know, kind of singular story moment. And, mm -hmm. but there's always like these lore items that they always have to use books or comics or kind of like those data um, terminal things that you go listen to. And, and they, they kind of, they, that kind of helps fill in the lore, but a lot of people aren't going to be doing those things. And so that's Yeah, you don't where, want to do your homework. Right, exactly. So that's where I'm kind of excited that they're they're gonna have a lot more um, options to throw in more lore items into the mainline mm -hmm. game that can yeah. help make the overall story and experience feel more um, complete. Mm -hmm. Tell the tell the story. Tell the story through the missions, in the campaign. Yeah. Right. I don't I don't want to go read a scroll somewhere that right. has just like a black screen that like a floating window that pops up with like neon green text. Yeah, I don't want to have to go through my, like, codex or whatever it is and, like, read about this thing. Like, I always hate that in games where it's, like, a new entry has been added to your journal that you have to, like, go read this journal entry to, like, understand who this enemy is or to understand, right. like, this piece of history. Like, like let me figure it out in a cool cutscene or a mission that tells it to me. Like, I don't want to have to go... I didn't, I didn't pick up this game so I could, like, sit here and read a journal. Like, I want right. to experience is, things as I'm playing. Halopedia. That is one thing I do. That yeah. is an actual, like, um, yeah. <laughs> that is one thing that I've always did, like, about Halo is with, they always have, like, the voiceover um, yeah. terminal. So, it and it instantly played. So, you were, you know, you were hearing it, and so you get to hear the names, and, and it's typically very well voice acted. So, that's always a little bit of step above the, these scrolls that you just unlocked or the book you have to go read or something. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I feel I like Cortana has been able to like fill that void as well. Like when you have an AI basically in your head, they can do voiceovers. You don't, 
it, it allows you to use the voiceovers to explain like supplementary information rather than you having to go read it on your own. So that's nice. Um, yeah. But... So what? So when is the campaign going to drop? Remind me. Uh, December eighth. That's when the the game comes out. The multiplayer. Yeah, I thought campaign. it was multiplayer only. I'm I'm behind on my news. No. So um, both the campaign and multiplayer come out together. The only two features that at least we know as of right now that you typically have in a Halo game is the four-player co-op campaign will not be there at launch. It's going to be three months late. And then Forge, which is like a whole map level editor custom games feature that's that's really kind of part of the core experience of Halo. That's um, delayed till about six months. Um, that, now, Forge mostly like benefits Halo like and the longevity of it. So like, it's not a big deal that that's delayed, but um, I think campaign co-op, because that feature, um, when I first said it was delayed, I was like, oh, it's not that bad. It's three months. I'm gonna play through the campaign by myself the first time anyways. So, you know, maybe we can all get together when I, that feature drops and we'll actually play it together. Um, but after seeing the um, gameplay campaign overview trailer, I was just like, Son of a bitch! I just want to drive around a warthog in that world with like yeah. three other friends. Um, right. I think that trailer made that that feature missing a lot worse. But um, it'll be okay. Yeah, worth, it's not worth the, the world. Will there be any synergies between uh, Halo and the upcoming Forza Horizon Five? So I think I mean like you mean like kind of like those little cross. Yeah, you had the warthog mission in in Horizon. I'm sure there might be another Warthog mission. But, I mean, the best Warthog runs are from Halo, so if you really want to play some, you can go on the Halo games and play them. I just like synergies with Warthogs. Yeah, I mean, the Warthog's kind of like a very iconic vehicle. Um, and, uh, easy. and it's kind of funny that it's it's it doesn't drive that well, but they can't yeah, change like up shit. how you drive it. Like it has to drive like that way. Yeah. Or like big wheel. When we like, were but no, seriously, like they really can't like change it up because people would be so upset. It has to drive that shitty way that you have to tailspin around to make a turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as someone who's played Halo for twenty years, I can do it very easily. But someone new is just gonna flip the warthog all the time. Yeah. Um, I agree, but I agree. All right, guys. Well, I, we didn't mention we didn't mention it's, it, it's Halloween at all. It is Halloween today. It yeah, is. We should have dressed up. Should have dressed up. Uh, maybe you could can you edit something? Can we just talk about Halloween for like three minutes and you edit it and put it at the beginning? Um, not worth it, guys. Not worth it. You don't hurt my feelings. Yeah, <laughs> that's a dumb idea, Francis. Dumb idea. Yeah, dumbass. Yeah, dumbass. We are holiday agnostic. Okay. <laughs> it would have been. If, I mean, if we if we weren't doing Dune and Halo Infinite, it would have been a good moment to do like our favorite horror movies. But, yeah, let me watch them. I mean, we could do it right now, real quick. Nah, we we need to come back with. I need to I need to come back for that. We can do it later today. <laughs> All right. Guys, four four twenty p.m. Favorite yeah. scary movies. Optional chat. I'll All text right. it. All right, guys. This was fun. All righty. Uh, everyone, thanks you. for watching or listening. Halloween. Yeah. Halloween. Happy Halloween. Finger blast that like button. Finger mm-hmm. blast it. All right. Subscribe. Peace. Bye bye.